it's really kind of amazing to look out and see you all after having just been away with illness for several weeks. It is such a joy to me to see that you two have shown up to worship Jesus as Lord and to know that this is just a small fraction of our congregation, that in fact most of you all are worshiping from home. Such a joy to be together. I greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a visitor here with us this morning, or if you're a visitor at home, uh, please make yourself known to us as best you can. Fill out the I'm New form on the website. Uh, talk to someone after the service. We want to help you find your way here in this strange season. This morning, we'll continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 11. I'll start reading with verse 12. Someone can shout out a page number when they find it in their pew Bibles. 10.15. Let's listen again to the word of the Lord. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, Jesus went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As Jesus taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill Jesus, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> well, the kids got a book of animal jokes for Christmas. So we are into jokes at our house right now. 
and at risk of embarrassing myself even more than usual, I'm going to lay a few on you. So, all right, and this is an interactive exercise. So, kids, what seafood goes well with peanut butter? Anybody? What kind of seafood goes well with peanut butter? Jellyfish. Peanut butter and jellyfish for lunch, anyone? All right. Uh, what is a frog's favorite drink? What is a frog's favorite soda? Coca-Cola. What do you call a cow in an earthquake? A milkshake. Okay, now a joke or a pop quiz for those of you who have been tuning in to our study of the Gospel of Mark, grown-ups. If our text was for lunch, what would be on the menu? If our text was for lunch, what would we be having? Come on, biblical scholars. Big no. no. Explain that to me later. A sandwich! A Markin sandwich, right? Okay, just a little biblical studies humor for you. I'll be here all week, folks. Don't worry. This is one of those passages, and we've seen them before. It's been a while. Okay, I'll give that. That some scholars call a heterodiegetic analepsis, and others call a sandwich. A Markin sandwich, where the author of our gospel takes a story, like the story of the fig tree, and it appears differently in Matthew, say, in one block, but Mark sandwiches it around another story so that the two texts interpret one another. So what is on the menu for you this morning is a sandwich, a Markin sandwich. And this one, I'm going to warn you, does not go down so easy because it's a story of judgment. (coughs) The outside of the sandwich is Jesus' encounter with the fig tree. On the surface, this story seems strange, even petty. Why would Jesus curse a tree? We, at our house, have four large fig trees that we planted a few years ago. And just in the few years that we've had them, I've learned the timing. Now is the time to prune them. In the spring, they will leaf. Then we'll begin to see hard little green bundles on the branches. And we'll continue to check them each day until someone proudly informs us, we've got the first ripe fig. We should not assume that Jesus is ignorant of this process or the times and seasons. Instead, we should see this strange story as an enacted parable, a prophetic sign act intended to convey a message, not just in words, but in actions. If you know your Old Testament, if you're familiar with your prophets, then you've seen things like this before. Let me give you a few examples. The Lord told Ezekiel, pack a bag, Dig a hole out of your house, so do this thing, and then interpret it for the people. Hey, you too are going to have to dig your way out. You're going into exile. The Lord told Jeremiah, buy a sash, put it in the ground, leave it there. Then dig it up and say to the people, look at this sash. 
It's good for nothing, just like you. <laughs> so Jesus makes a point to show his disciples. He goes over to the tree. He looks at the branches. He says, I'm hungry, and I find nothing here to satisfy. Despite its appearance of health, this tree bears no fruit. That's Jesus' point, not only about the tree, but also about the temple. In the next section, Jesus and his disciples make their way to the temple in Jerusalem. I want you to be able to picture the scene. The temple complex was about 35 acres. So that's, well, it's about three quarters of the size of the farm our family lives on. It's 9,500 parking spaces, 330 NBA basketball courts, or it's like if you started over at the Bell Tower dorm at Duke, walked all the way to 9th Street, then walked all the way down to E.K. Poe Elementary, then walked all the way down Green Street to Clarendon and back again, that's about 35 acres. Imagine, as in many temples in the ancient world, there were money changers, vendors, and these vendors are selling unblemished animals to pilgrims who have come to worship. So imagine the sounds, the smells, sheep buying, doves cooing, coins rattling, businessmen making their pitch. Think bank, open-air market, and slaughterhouse all rolled into one. That was the temple complex. The bustling outer court of the Gentiles was separated from the sanctuary by a wall where it was posted, no foreigner may enter here. And within the sanctuary was further divided into a court for women, for men, and for priests. Jesus enters into the outer courts, the court of the Gentiles, and, well, he makes the scene. He turns over tables of money changers, no doubt sending people to their knees scrambling for coins. He shoves over the seats of those selling pigeons. He even seems to be harassing the customers and would-be worshipers stopping them as they make their way through the court with their sacrifice. Suppose someone entered the Durham Farmer's Market, turning over tables and scattering stalls. Or someone went into Whole Foods and started harassing customers on their way to the cash register. Or someone hacked Amazon.com and started cyber-attacking shoppers. That someone here is Jesus. He has gone to the place that for his followers, his friends, his siblings, his parents, his grandparents was the most sacred place on earth. And he has disrupted its activity. This is another prophetic sign act, which Jesus interprets with Two verses from the prophets. As we heard earlier in Isaiah, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And from the prophet Jeremiah, but you have made it 
a den of robbers. The temple was supposed to be, well, it was supposed to be the place that made visible to the world God's intimacy with one people, Israel, for the sake of all people. The temple was supposed to be the place that draws foreigners to the worship of God, not keeps them out. But instead, Jesus says the temple has become a den of robbers or a bandit's hideout. This second statement builds on the indictment of the first. The term bandits here is not primarily those who steal material wealth, but those who use the temple as a hideout from justice. Hear me clearly, the issue is not less than economic exploitation on the temple grounds, but that is merely a symptom of a bigger problem, a miscalculation that God would indefinitely safeguard and bless the temple and all those responsible for it, regardless of what it was like. At times, this meant that the temple became a safe house for Jewish nationalists fleeing Roman persecution. They hid out on the grounds, thinking, surely God won't let them get me in here. The temple will never fall. Now, in Jesus' day, the temple had become the province of a religious elite who were aggressive to outsiders and took advantage of their own people and distorted the temple's purpose. And now, Jesus says, the unthinkable is happening. The temple, the temple itself, is under God's judgment. This story is not about Jesus' attempt to take over the temple for himself and his followers. Nor, I don't think, did Jesus really intend to cleanse the temple, as the heading in your Bible may suggest. No, this is a disruption, a forced break in the economy and worship of Israel's most sacred place, that signifies that despite the bustling of its outer courts and its outward appearance of prosperity, this place does not further God's economy. Despite its outward appearance of health, it's barren. It did not bear fruit in keeping with God's purpose, and like the fig tree, the temple would wither away from the roots. Its time would come to an end. And of course, history bears this out. This, the third and final Jerusalem temple, was destroyed by the Romans just a few decades later in 70 AD. But already in this text, a shift has begun. From among his own people, Jesus has drawn to himself another twelve who will become the foundation of an everlasting house of prayer made up of both Jews and Gentiles, a house of prayer for all nations. This is why Jesus gathers the disciples around him to give instructions about prayer. This is why Mark makes this sandwich. Judgment in the temple is followed by the assurance of God's continued faithfulness. 
there is still a visible sign of God's intimacy with Israel for the sake of the world. But that sign is no longer the temple. It's the incarnate Christ. His sacrificial love is what the temple was intended to image all along. And his flesh and blood are the final offering. As the most zealous of Jews, Paul of Tarsus, would come to see, Christ Jesus is the cornerstone of a new spiritual house built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles, a house in which no one enters as a foreigner anymore. In this house, faith, not financial greed, forgiveness and not hostility are to be on display. And if we're honest, we, like the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, would often rather just get rid of Jesus than to take up that kind of call to faith and forgiveness. We're no less tempted to condemn outsiders We're no less tempted to take advantage of our own people. We're no less vulnerable to becoming a signpost of self-promotion and not sacrificial love. But if that's all we are, the Lord won't let us stand. Friends, come to Jesus, the living stone, rejected by God, rejected by men, but chosen by God. And he will build us, even us, into his spiritual house. Let's pray together. Lord, with trepidation, We pray that you would enter this house and turn over tables. That you would put us under your judgment. And that you would restore us to right relationship with you. That you would reveal our particular idols the places where we have withered away. And that as you and only you can, living God, you would make us bear good fruit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.